Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bailey is tracked down for a short loss. Shamarco Thomas. It's like a missile. It's a heat-seeking missile to the football. Charles finding someone, directing his body, and trying to run through that person. An explosive safety. For some programs, maybe doesn't mean as much. For this Syracuse program, it means a lot. What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McAllister from AllSyracuse.com, part of the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network with Episode 7 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast. No Shamarco Thomas for this episode, but internet sensation Kyle Leff is filling in. Kyle, how are you doing today? I am doing well, Mike. You know, getting some calls right uh, last week about this game we're going to discuss with Liberty and Syracuse. It feels really good. It helps the sensation out a lot. You know, it makes me even that much more popular with the, the fans out there. Uh, I'm ready to discuss Liberty. Absolutely. And Syracuse won 24 to 21 against Liberty on a last second field goal from Andre Schmidt. And as Kyle mentioned in our preview episode, uh, Liberty's kicker really struggles. He missed a field goal in this game. Um, and Syracuse, of course, makes theirs at the end to win it. But let's just start, you know, and, and you can talk about that if if you'd like as well. But your overall thoughts on the win, Syracuse improving to three and one after knocking off a pretty good Liberty team. My overall thoughts are that the Syracuse defense is legit. That is that is my thought for this game is that you can watch and you saw Malik Willis that first drive Liberty had the ball. He did one spin move and got about 30 yards downfield. It was one juke of the entire offense. And you were like, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to be the entire night for Syracuse. It's not going to go well for us. But after about the first five or so minutes of the game, the defense hammered down. I mean, Garrett Williams was locking down players. Mikel Jones was as good a linebacker as we've ever seen. Uh, for SU. And I mean, the entire defense did exactly what they had to do. I mean, we said, we both said it last week, which was that if you can apply pressure to Malik Willis and start getting some sacks, the low line gets jumpy, they'll get some false starts, you'll get to Willis more, and it'll be a whole problem. And I believe Mike landed with six sacks. So they did their job. Yes, they absolutely did. They were, they were sensational. And we will get a little bit more in depth into the defensive performance in this one. But my overall thoughts on the game are, you know, I saw a lot of chatter afterwards among Syracuse fans, some Syracuse fans that, well, it's just Liberty. And I understand Liberty is not a powerhouse football program. They're not Alabama. They're not Clemson. The name recognition isn't going to get you anywhere. But I also think that that comment is a little bit disingenuous because this is a team that was either first or second in the others receiving votes. If they had won this week, they would have been a ranked team. They finished last season with 10 wins to just one loss. And their only loss was a one point loss at NC state. They beat two or three ACC teams last year. And 
they were, you know, they finished last season ranked. We're expected to be ranked uh, or one of the better non-Power 5 teams this year. So, and again, their quarterback, Malik Willis, he's legit. He is every bit the high first round NFL draft pick caliber quarterback that we all thought he was coming in. And I think he certainly showed that that's, that's how good he is. But the Syracuse defense also showed that they can handle that type of a talent. And that they're still, as you said, legit. And we'll dive more into that. But I think dismissing Liberty as, oh, it's just Liberty because of a lack of a brand name is dismissing how good that football team is. And that's a good football team. I consider that a win against a ranked opponent or, or a ranked caliber opponent. And, you know, I think this is huge to go into the, the conference slate at three and one and should give Syracuse some momentum but going down we in that, Florida State. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. From there, I want to start with the big decision of the game, which I think was was a little bit of a surprise to to many. Was Garrett Schrader starting at quarterback? Uh, I think everyone pretty much expected uh, Tommy DeVito to get the start. He had started the first three games. Um, he had been a little bit up and down in, in a couple of the games, but I thought, you know, before he got pulled against Rutgers, he was starting to show some rhythm there. And, and it, you know, he just seemed to be the safer option. And oftentimes coaching staffs go with the safer option. I want to first get your thoughts before I chime in on the decision to start Schaefer um, and, and what you thought about uh, his performance and, and, you know, how that decision impacted uh, the win overall. Well, the announcement didn't come out seemingly until I guess around an hour before game time. I know I saw your tweet about it before the game uh, saying Schrader was starting. And my first reaction to uh, my friend who was sitting next to me was this could go two of two different ways. Either we win a close game or we get absolutely blown out of the water that Schrader is the dangerous dual threat who could either light up a game with his legs and his arm does something sometime or it could be uh, an awful showing from him uh, and it could be poor. And he did not do well passing that. I We talked about how we would hope to have someone who could pass the ball, which is DeVito. And he, as you said, he showed it a bit last week that he could pass the ball well. Schrader went six for 15 and did not cover himself in glory. I mean, he ran the ball 16 times for 53 total yards. I didn't see much from him that showed he should have have had the job anyway. I don't get if this was a we're committing to him the rest of the season or if this is we're getting him a week trial here. It's a one week trial before to pay the actual like price, a full price for the streaming service here. But he just didn't do well. He didn't have an awful game, but didn't have a good game. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Now, here's here's the positive part of what he did. He ran the ball well um, in in some spots. I would say he he had a, a decent game running the ball, uh, made good decisions in in RPO situations. 
and he didn't turn the ball over. That that was huge. The one thing that that I think major compliment you can give him. You know, he was good in the red zone running the ball, had the the two rushing touchdowns. And he showed that he can bring you a little bit of that Eric Dungy scrambling ability. He doesn't have the same arm that Eric Dungy did, but um the one thing that he avoided in this game was the costly turnover. And where I thought it could have crept up was when Liberty had all the momentum. They had tied the game at 21. Syracuse looked like they were gassed um, on both sides of the ball. And the offense was struggling to move the ball. And sometimes you get into a situation where you have a somewhat inexperienced guy that's in there. He knows he's kind of looking over his shoulder and he tries to make a play, right? He tries to force something in there that's not there. And that leads to an interception, pick six, whatever the situation is. Now the momentum's even further on the other sideline. He didn't do that. And so that was that was a big positive. The thing that I thought was a little odd is how much he struggled throwing the ball. I've never expected him to be uh, the type of arm talent that Tommy DeVito is or to be, you know, a Tom Brady, Joe Montana, precision passer, anything like that. But I didn't expect you know, borderline incompetence, it, it stretches where he had guys open and he's well behind them, um, you know, just completely wildly inaccurate. Watching clips of him play at Mississippi State, he didn't show that. Watching him um, in his spot duty earlier this season, he didn't show that. So that was a little confusing uh, to me to, to see him struggle that much. So if he's going to be your guy going forward, that's obviously got to be the number one point of emphasis uh, for him moving forward. Yeah. One quarterback who did not struggle throwing the ball was Malik Willis. And he was as much as Syracuse did have a pretty good game plan against him. They sacked him six times. Uh, he, he also had his moments. He was 14 for 19, 205 yards, three touchdowns. He ran for 49 more yards, but even with those numbers, you know, you just look at the numbers, three touchdowns, no interceptions, completing 74% of his passes. He ran for almost 50 yards. Um, even with those numbers for, you know, I'd say about three quarters of the game, Syracuse had him confused off balance, uh, they were in his face every time he tried to escape. They had two or three guys there. Uh, like you said, he had the the one long run on his first drive. And really after that, he he wasn't escaping the pocket and, and having huge running lanes. You know, he was most of his yards. He was picking up on, you know, the third and one, third and two, where he's picking up five or six yards. He wasn't rattling off the 20, 30, 40 yard runs. And I think the athleticism of Syracuse's defense was maybe a bit undervalued coming into this game. And the skills of the defensive line and the depth of the defensive line, I think were a little underrated as well. And we talked about last week in our preview episode that Liberty's offensive line has struggled giving up sacks and pressure to the opposing quarterback. But this one was one was a game where Syracuse took advantage of that. But then not only did they take advantage of that by getting pressure on him, they were able to finish at different times. And I think that was such a huge key spying on Willis with Mikel Jones, 
as you mentioned earlier, he was phenomenal. Cody Roscoe was great getting in there. And then Stefan Thompson made a great play on a fourth down and goal situation. Marlo Wax had a couple of big plays. Just the athleticism of Syracuse's front seven, I thought, really showed out in this one. Agreed. And shout out Marlo Wax. You mentioned him. He had three sacks in this game, which is impressive in any game, especially when you have Malik Willis, who is this six foot, uh, 200 plus pound monster of a man who, I mean, again, as we saw early in the game, he ran through everybody. Um, but it felt like every time Malik was about to escape, when you could see the lane opening up, someone's tackled him from somewhere. I know there was one later in the game where he had about 30 yards of space downfield and he went to run and Mikel grabbed him by the shoe and dragged him down. That it was a, a shoelace tackle if I've ever seen one. And he did just enough to get him down to the ground. And Mikel jumped up and celebrated. And I remember uh, one of my friends was asking me, it was like, why is he celebrating? And it's like, as if he doesn't tackle him, he's got a touchdown. That he was going to break off for 30, 40 yards, probably find the end zone or at least get within the five yard line. Like he was gone. But Mikel stopped him. Marlo Wax stopped him. As you said, Roscoe had another great game. That the entire defense played amazingly. And outside of the couple touchdown passes we saw from Willis late on that were outstanding, the DBs held up. And that was the biggest thing. He just he was sat in the pocket for so much time that at some point one of the athletic SU front was gonna get to him. That it it only takes an extra second of him sitting in the pocket for Wax, for Roscoe, for Jones Thompson, somebody to get to him, to bring him down. And it just looked like he was confused. And that also, I mean, we'll chat about it, I'm assuming, is like props to the student section who I know were as loud as all get out uh, in the Loud House this weekend. Yes, they were. They were fantastic. They've been fantastic um, in each of the three home games. I don't remember seeing the student section this filled uh, consistently in in quite a long time. And so that is is great to see. But as you mentioned, he threw for 205 yards. It wasn't 405 yards. You know, he completed 70 percent of his passes. But Syracuse did a nice job of largely keeping plays in front of them and not allowing uh, the big play. His longest pass of the day was for 35 yards. He didn't have that 60, 70 yard bomb. Um, he didn't have, and his, his longest run was 26 yards, which I think was that run on the, on the first possession. He didn't have that 40, 50, 60 yard run. So Syracuse did a nice job of keeping things in front of him, prevent preventing that huge play. And, and that was, that was critical. And then, you know, the game comes down to, um, you know, late where, as we mentioned, Liberty had all the momentum. It's 21, 21 after Syracuse got the stop on fourth down which I thought was a terrible decision by Hugh Freeze. It was awful. It was was terrible. (laughs) Liberty had all the momentum. Syracuse defense was gassed and struggling to get stops. The offense had clearly uh, run out of of ideas at that point. They weren't (laughs) throwing the ball. Uh, Liberty was stacking nine guys in the box to stop Sean Tucker, so they couldn't move the ball that way anymore. And if I'm Liberty at that point, I kick the field goal. I take my first lead of the game. And then I'm putting the pressure on Syracuse's offense to have to make a play. And instead they go for it on fourth down. And that gives Syracuse a chance to emotionally get right back into the game with stop there. But even then they get a couple of first downs. So they flip field position a little bit and, but they still have to punt the ball. 
And when they did, you know, there's four, four minutes to go, something like that. I really thought that that was going to be a situation where Liberty picks up a couple of first downs, runs out the clock, kicks a field goal as time expires and escapes with a win. And you come out of that thinking, man, Syracuse missed a huge opportunity for a win. And instead, on the second play of that drive, despite the fact that they were clearly gassed, they came after Malik Willis. Cody Roscoe hits him from behind, knocks the ball loose, and Mikel Jones dives on top of it to give Syracuse a huge turnover. The one turnover that happened in this game. It was the only one the entire night. And I think that was so huge. Clearly changed momentum back. Syracuse's offense was able to pick up a first down, but um, you know what? What was going through your mind when you saw that ball pop out and Syracuse jump on top of it? I mean, as soon as it popped out, I said, "You called this. You said whoever turns the ball over least wins the game. Whoever gets the turnover, that's what all it's going to take for Syracuse is get the turnover when, you, when it matters, and this game is over. And that's what happened. I mean, as soon as you see Roscoe come off the edge. I jumped up and went like, we're going to get the ball. I don't know how we're going to get it, but we're going to get it. And then you see the replay of Willis slightly tuck rule it. I, it was like watching it happen was a, a moment of, Oh my gosh, the refs are going to screw this somehow <laughs> that they're I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're going to give him another shot at this. And thankfully they did not. We got the ball. And at that point I said, it's a kicker's game now. It's that's all we wanted. That's all we asked for was to give us a shot. I know Schmidt, he's he's struggled a little bit this season compared to normal, but he can do this. He's going to make this kick and it's going to be great. And I want to quickly take it back, though, to the fourth down choice that they had Liberty when they were at like the goal line. I think a part that played into it was the fact that their kicker, uh, Barbier, has been so bad. He is now one for four on the year. He missed a 36-yarder early in the game. I think Hugh Freeze had zero confidence in him making even a 20-yard field goal. And, like, that's the honest truth is that I think he said, I don't know if this kid's going to make one because he shanked the 36-yarder. It wasn't a great kick. I mean, he missed it. And it looked like the entire time everyone knew it wasn't going to go in. That as soon as he kicked it, I said he's been missing. And then he skies it. it I think I think that played a huge part into it. And that he said, I would rather trust Malik Willis than I would this kicker who can't make a kick to save his life right now. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I still would have kicked it, but um yeah. <laughs> so Mike would kick from within within the five yard line, Mike would kick. Tell Aaron Rodgers that he'd love to hear it. Yes, yes. Um, you know, uh Aaron Rodgers and I can differ on that. But I'm I just in that situation, you know, I, I kind of the way that that I view it is First off, if you can't make a, a field goal in what is essentially extra point distance, college extra point distance, not pro extra point distance, then you know wh- wh- what are you doing? You, you got to have a kicker that can make that. And I understand wanting to put the ball in Malik Malik Willis's hands, given how good he is and, and all of that. However, my concern would be if you miss it all the momentum that had been with Syracuse the entire game that you scratched and clawed back and got back now into the fourth quarter, you're giving back to the other side. And I understand a touchdown probably crushes Syracuse at that point. I'm, I'm still, I'm still trying to take the lead and, and uh, you know, going from there. So 
Um, I also I also would understand him him thinking that Syracuse offense isn't going to move the ball. If I don't get it, I'm going to get the ball back with great field position. I, you know, I, I can I can understand that side of it as well. But Isa would have kicked it. Regardless, let's move on to um, things that we can all agree on, and that's that Sean Tucker is good at football. And he had another tremendous game in this one right after his Albany game where he became the first Syracuse player to rush for 100 yards and have 100 yards receiving in the same game following his huge performance in the season opener against Ohio. Sandwiched in there was the inexplicable 13 carries that he got against Rutgers. Uh, But in this one, they they kind of flipped the script on that with 32 career high, 32 carries for Sean Tucker, 169 yards and a touchdown. He also had a couple of catches for 27 more yards. He was flat out fantastic in this game. Uh, He was the Syracuse offense. Everything ran through him as we've been clamoring since we have started doing this podcast Sean Tucker was everything you could expect out of a work horse and, and more in this one. Oh, he was incredible. I mean, whenever we needed a run of five, 10 yards, just something, give me something. He did it that you would, you would ask him for two yards to give you four. You'd ask him for four. He'd give you six that it just felt like every time he touched the ball, he was doing something positive. Even at the end of the game, when they were like loading the box with nine, he still managed to get yards. Don't know how, don't know how he did it, but he just, he found a way through that. That's what it was. And we need to start referring to him as a Heisman candidate now. I mean, we have to finish off the season and go and probably win at least double digit games for him to be considered. But per the former Heisman candidate, Robert Griffin, the third, he is a Heisman candidate to watch. He's second in the nation in rushing yards with 536. Now he's behind uh, Michigan State's Kenneth Walker, the third. I mean, I don't know why we don't put him up there. Every He looks like Alvin Kamara when he runs the ball, that he's shifting in and out, cutting where he needs to. He gets you the 10 yards when you only need two. Like, I I don't know what he can't do, to be quite honest with you. it's it's He's special to watch. He absolutely is. And the play that, that kind of encapsulated his tremendous game and, and how good he is, just his talent in general, was – Syracuse had, I think it was right after the bad snap where Syracuse ended up with like a second and 17 or, or something. Uh, they, they had lost a bunch of yards. And the very next play, Sean Tucker runs for 19 yards and picks up a first down. I mean, you, you know, the, the offense with the struggles that they had throwing the ball, anytime you got into a negative situation, a sack, um, you know, a tackle for loss, or a bad snap that you have to dive on to lose a bunch of yards, it puts them at such a disadvantage. You know, if Sean Tucker only picks up four yards and it's third and 17, you're, you know, do you think that Garrett Schrader is going to pick that up through the air? You know, I, I don't think there's much confidence that that's, that would have happened. He runs for 19 yards and now all of a sudden you're back into a first and 10 situation. You can go back to your, your normal offense and, and, and run things through him. That was such a huge play for Syracuse kind of showed, um, you know, exactly what he meant to their offense. He was absolutely everything to what they were doing. He had uh, by himself 196 uh, total yards and Syracuse had 305 yards themselves. 
He had two thirds of the offense. He had two thirds of Syracuse's entire offense. I mean, it's, it's, it's indescribable. There really aren't words for what he's doing at this point. And he has absolutely been one of the best running backs in college football to date. Syracuse's challenge is everyone now knows about him. And so what are you going to do to keep him uh, being that productive going forward? But there's no question that he was just on another level in a game that featured a quarterback who is going to be, who is likely going to be a top 10 NFL draft pick. Sean Tucker was the best player on the field. And that's, that says it all in my opinion. And I've heard there was about 30 or so NFL scouts there to watch Malik Willis play. And they didn't get the Malik Willis show. They got the Sean Tucker show that they came to see Sean Tucker. They didn't come to see Malik Willis. Oh, number one draft pick. Oh, whatever, whatever. (laughs) We're here to see Sean Tucker play. That is what we came to watch. He just, as you said, he's indescribable. He is something else to watch. I, I, Watching him make it puts a smile on your face. Like every, every run he had was like, uh, it, I smiled. I was like, this is, this is crazy to watch. Like I, we've seen some great college running backs, obviously. I mean, you go back to the early 2000s, Reggie Bush was one of the most electrifying players in college football history. This is it for Syracuse. It gives me the same feeling of like, he could any play just go for 80 yards just at any point in time. That his, he could, his speed is so underrated. It's he's a fat. He's he's not the fastest. He's not like Chris Johnson's speed, but he's got speed to break away. He absolutely does. I mean, he's he was a track star in high school. He wants to run track at Syracuse. Um, like you said, he's not going to be the you know four two type of a guy, but he can run in the four fours, and he can certainly run by people at this level. Um, I, I want to move from there. You know, we, we kind of talked about struggles throwing the football earlier. Uh, I want to go into another aspect of this game that I thought was uh, perhaps one of the biggest that that I don't think is talked about enough. And that's just the the cleanliness of the game from the Syracuse perspective. And by that, I mean, you know, not disinfecting the sidelines with, you know, uh, disinfecting wipes or anything like that. I, I mean, the lack of penalties Syracuse had five penalties for 37 yards. And most of those penalties seemed to come early in the game. And as the game went on, um, you know, they really didn't have any, they didn't have those back breaking drive ending penalties that you saw, um, you know, especially against Rutgers. And then on top of that, as we mentioned with, with discussing Garrett Schrader's performance, no turnovers. And the one turnover that, that happened in this game at all was, the one on the strip sack against Malik Willis late in the game. But the fact that Syracuse took care of the ball, even when they didn't move the ball offensively, they didn't turn it over. They didn't give Malik Willis the short field because of that. And then they didn't put themselves in a bad position offensively and didn't keep drives alive for Liberty defensively. I thought the the discipline that they showed in both of those areas was huge for Syracuse in this game. Oh, it was massive. I mean, I believe they had five penalties for around 37 or so yards on SU, which isn't great, but compared to what it has been the past few weeks, I mean, it's night and day. It feels like that a lot of them you're used to seeing are these, these bigger penalties here or there, the bigger five, 10 yards, constantly just adding, adding up, adding up, adding up 160 yards, all of a sudden the penalty yards, 37 penalty yards. I'm perfectly happy with that. 
I mean, you're going to get some penalties here or there. You're going to get a false start here, a false start there, uh, an accidental face mask here. It's going to happen. That's just how the game is played at the college level. You're expecting those things to happen. But to limit it to what they did was major. I mean, you didn't have any major defensive lapses. You didn't have any that happened. It felt like none of them happened on third down. That was the biggest thing, that the the third down penalties were what killed us in the last two games, that you'd get the third down, third and two, false start, third and seven all of a sudden. And it's just, it kills you because all of a sudden it turns a Sean Tucker run into a, maybe we should pass the ball. And going into this game with Garrett Schrader, I'm sorry, we weren't going to pass the ball. It was going to be kept with Sean Tucker and everyone in the building knew that. It, it felt like without that happening, it gave us life. It gave us some sort of energy that Sean Tucker could use later on. It felt like just the entire stadium was there understanding, okay, we aren't committing penalties, but they are. I mean, they only committed seven penalties, Liberty, but theirs came, it felt like, later on in the game. That's when it felt like their penalties yards started becoming a problem was they got like one or two false starts and then they got a sack, right? It was, I believe, a, fall, a sack, a false start, and then a sack, like three plays in a row for Liberty. And it was just at that point, all, all like the rails were, the train was off the tracks and it was, they were done for. Yeah. It, the set, they had only had two more penalties in Syracuse, but those two more penalties went for 32 more yards. I mean, that's that's 16 yards of penalty on those extra penalties, which is, you know, the, the most you can get on a single penalty is uh, is 15 yards in college because the, the defensive pass interference doesn't go for it's not a spot yards. foul like it is in the pros, but uh, it's 15 yards. It's capped at that. So you had penalties that were above on average what the max penalty would be, which shows you again, to your point, that Liberty was committing the more egregious penalties, the the larger yard, more yards in, in their penalties. And that certainly helped Syracuse uh, on both sides of the ball. So I think that was very encouraging. The fact that right after you set a program record for number of penalties and penalty yardage in a game, as they did against Albany, that you had almost the opposite of that against uh, Liberty in a game where you had to have that type of discipline in order to pull off the upset. Hopefully for Syracuse fans, that is a sign of things to come. Um, let's wrap up the episode with your final thoughts on Syracuse beating Liberty at three and one in the non-conference and, and kind of where they go from here. I mean, my final thought is for every Syracuse fan out there, don't overreact or and don't underreact. You said it earlier. Don't be, oh, it's just Liberty. They were a, a top ranked. They were a just about ranked team. They would have been ranked if they'd beaten us, but don't overreact and say, Oh, we beat Liberty. They're a ranked team. We're going to be amazing. Now don't go on either end of the spectrum. Take this game with a grain of salt. Liberty did not play well. They, we had six sacks that normally does not happen. Like it's, it was a very, very strong game from us. And we have a couple of opponents here or there that are going to be strong from here on out. I mean, Clemson, Wake, and NC State are all now top 25 teams. So the three of them are going to be a problem for us. But I have more faith now that if Syracuse can find a semblance of an offensive pass game in general, pass game at all, give me even 60% passing for a game, and that is more than enough. 
that if we can get to that level with DeVito, with Schrader, whoever it ends up being, I think this team is very easily a bowl team and could possibly be a New Year's Day bowl game style team. And we could see them play uh, in 2022 in a bowl game. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, and it's funny, you know, you mentioned the rest of, so if, if you're three and one, then you look at the conference schedule, you got to go three and five in conference in order to um, get to a bowl game. And that's, that's baseline, but you look at the upcoming schedule and there are some games in there where teams aren't perhaps as good as you thought that they were going to be. And then of course there are some that, that are better, uh, Wake Forest, I think, is better than what most people expected them to be. But by the same token, you have a Friday night game on October 15th against Clemson, who, you know, isn't what Clemson has been. They're not the top five team national championship contender type, as has proven by the way they've played so far this year at just two and two. Syracuse actually has a better record than they do right now. Um, but next week you go play at 0-4 Florida State. I understand Florida State has talent. Yes, it's at their place, but they're 0-4. They've got a lot of, of problems, and, and who knows what's going on with that program. There's That's a winnable opportunity right there. You've got Wake Forest, who, yes, is 4-0. They're ranked. Um, so you have a ranked team coming into your building. They play Louisville this week. So if they're able to, to win that game, they'll be 5-0. and They'll be ranked coming to your place. That's going to be a game that you're going to be amped up for. The crowd should be into, and Syracuse has played – uh, Wake Forest pretty well since they've come into the ACC. So you've got an opportunity to win that game. Clemson comes to your place Friday night. Clemson isn't what Clemson has been, and they're coming to your place where you have played them really tough over the last several years. Then you go to Virginia Tech, who hasn't looked the same since they lost one of their best offensive weapons. You've got Boston College coming to the Dome. They lost their starting quarterback for the year, so perhaps they're not what everyone thought they could be. So you go on and on, and the the ACC is wide open. Uh, Pittsburgh has had their share of struggles. Um, It's just, you know, it's – I think there is a very strong – possibility for Syracuse to get to a bowl game given what's left on the schedule. So it all starts this week. I think getting to three and one is a massive difference from being two and two out of the non-conference. You feel a little bit like you blew an opportunity against Rutgers to be four and oh, but all things considered, you feel pretty good about where you're at and now you got to take care of business moving forward. That'll do it for this week's episode of the believe in Syracuse podcast sponsored by bet online thank you so much for internet sensation kyle f for joining us in shamarco's absence for kyle f i'm mike McAllister, and we'll see you next time Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.